It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor, too. He is the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to day one of the CBOC three-day online experience. And here we are, 1 o'clock Eastern time, and today we're going to talk about optimizing your online presence and brand. Dr. Destiny, there's a lot of different topics and areas we can cover here, and it's really about getting people out so that people know who they are. It's actually establishing a presence out there so that when I've got an issue, I know who to call. So where do you want to take this conversation in the next 45 minutes? Yeah, I appreciate that. And and that's true, right? I think I know for sure, uh, because it's been validated in my experience, that LinkedIn and social media presence is absolutely the land of opportunities, okay? And so, and I say that to encourage you, I say that to not discourage you, to encourage you and to give you hope that if you're able to start showing up as an expert or showing up in a targeted area or showing up to a targeted demographic, then you may be able to find opportunity in that in that journey. So I think it's really important that we understand that optimizing that presence is really important, especially in our field, right? Where our field is very misbranded. So then like we owe it to ourselves. And I talked about this earlier, that due credit, uh, we are owe it to ourselves to give ourselves the due credit and to show up in our authentic way. So I think there's a lot of, we can bring out of this conversation real quick. The easiest way typically that I try to explain to people through coaching to show up as an expert is through what I view as your legacy, right? So like we spend a lot of time working on branding. We're like, well, I don't know who I am. And okay. So when you're not in the room or when you're not around, that's a morbid approach, but when you're not around, what do you want people to say about you? Question mark. What do you want people to say about you? For me, it was, I want people to say that I'm a mom, that I'm a veteran, that I'm passionate about community, that I'm an IO psychology professional. Um, And so my goal, no matter what I do, no matter the content I produce, no matter the messaging I'm sending, no matter the discussions I'm having, those legacy thoughts stay in my mind. And if I'm consistent with that, guess what? It makes it really easy to show up in those spaces as myself all the time. And you really do need to show up if you want to create that online presence in that brand. And and I'm all about video and audio. <laughs> so I'm a firm believer that, you know, if you want to get your brand out there, you've got to be doing things like this, like doing podcasts, doing video blogs, um, getting your face and voice out there is one of the key ways you can do. It. I mean, think about, you know, anytime I buy something, I want to know the person who runs the business, who owns the business. Are they credible or do they stand behind their products and services? So the easiest way, as far as I'm concerned, you can do that is to do exactly what you're doing right now. Get online, create video, 
I think websites today have way too much text on their homepage that that should be replaced by video. What a great opportunity for me to to meet the person whose website is, for them to give me a little tour of what I can find on their website. So I think all those things come into play. And, you know, I'm, I'm now of the, you know, it used to be want to be perceived as an expert, write a book. Now I think we're slipping into the world of want to be perceived as an expert, have a podcast. Lee, let's go to you. Thanks, Sam. You know, one of the biggest challenges that I hear from people is, well, I don't know what to do. And that's valid. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. And every time I, I get writer's block and whatever else, and I you know, Whoa, I should write something. It, it goes back to the whole, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. So start small. If you don't know where to go, that's okay. Because guess what? People like Destiny post a lot. And what you do is you go and you find one of those posts that you get, you, it resonates with you in some way. You have thoughts. And then you comment something thoughtful, something, hey, my experience has been, or hey, have you considered, or whatever the case may be. And you put that comment in there. And then tomorrow you do it again on a different post. And then the next day you do it again on a different post. And guess what? You're putting your words out into the world and people will notice and people respond to you in those responses. And the next thing you know, you're going to, somebody's going to say, you know what you wrote is fantastic. You should do, make that into an actual post. Oh my gosh, there you go. And so you can do that. And before you know it, you're going to be doing, I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard of the, the LinkedIn 30 day challenge. I've not done it myself, but I know people who have. And the whole thing is to so post on LinkedIn every day for 30 days. And it creates the habit. You form those neural pathways and all this kind of stuff. And it is very interesting if you go back and you look what you posted on day one versus what you posted on day 30 and the way it expands, it evolves, it grows. I, I got a, I got a friend that she writes on journaling. And, and when she did it, she thought, well, you know, I'll probably get, you know, two, three, maybe four or five days, maybe out of this. She's been writing dang near daily for months now. She's started workshops. She's done webcasts. She's done all this just because she loves journaling and found out there were so many people out there who were like, I'd like to know more. I can't just sit down and write something. So you all have something that you are the expert in, even though you probably asked ah, nothing. Well, guess what? Somebody thinks it's something. And then you have opportunities like, you know, we keep talking about work cookie. Don't show up. You don't have to say anything until you're ready. And then when you do, you're in a podcast. You're now a podcaster. And when it gets posted, there will be a LinkedIn post and you're going to be tagged. And then you can put that into your feature section on your LinkedIn profile. And you go, guess what? Look, mom, I'm a podcaster. People do audio events on you know, LinkedIn. You can do that and just open it up like a talk show, bring people in. I've seen several people do that. It turned out really well. And you don't know what to say. Guess what? Just open the door. You know, I mean, that's one thing I love about our, our pop-up events. I'm in a room full of I.O. people. We love to talk. So you throw out a topic and people start talking. So you don't have to do it all. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and, take, and mute myself so that I don't keep talking. <laughs> well, thanks, Lee. Um, Devin, let's go to you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Lee. That's really helpful. And I need I need those boosts. Sometimes you just need a little bit of the encouragement to get out there and put yourself out there and know that you're not alone. Um, for those of you I haven't worked with, I am a, I am an HR tried and true for over 20 years. And when we were talking this morning about passion and finding your passion and what who you are, who who you're you're interested in, and 
what you're interested in, what makes what excites you, and it's the elements of I/O that have pulled me back, um, and and recognizing how important that really is the part of HR that excites me. So I wanted to just simplify this section a little bit, though, as I've looked at thousands of resumes, thousands of LinkedIn profiles over the years, and. I recognize it's also tough in a field where we're trying to prove ourselves, we're trying to get a job, we're trying to build our network for how you can optimize optimize your brand. And it does really start with your LinkedIn profile. I think whoever, at some point, someone tried to take over LinkedIn and it just didn't work. And I guess it's here forever. But wherever you can build on your profile for the experiences that you've had the opportunity to do, whether they are paid jobs or not, whether it's helping out a neighbor, whether it's um, anything that's bringing you experience in your field and what you're passionate about, build it on your resume. It all counts and and build it on your LinkedIn profile. It all counts because the more you do get out there, the more networking that's naturally going to happen, the more times you are commenting people are going to see you. They're going to be like, just what Lee was saying, like, okay, this person has something really interesting to say. What's their background? Let me, t- let me take a peek and do it as part of your, like, this is part of my job. Part of my job is building this brand, building who I am and treat your LinkedIn like your resume, you know, really push on the areas where you, where you are passionate because eventually, and pull out those pieces. So. I think earlier in the chat, someone was talking about, well, my job actually isn't an IO job, but I can I can find the pieces of IO that I can bring to it and that I can expand upon and I can bring to the, the employees or I can bring to the leadership. Then talk about that in your in your LinkedIn profile. Talk about that in your resume because that's where you're going to feel you're getting the reward because you're you're getting the opportunity to do what you really are passionate about and you're building your brand at the same time Uh, and you're making money because you've got a job, even though it might not be your IO dream job, right? Right. But you're pulling all those things together to really optimize and get you eventually to the, to the place where you really want to be. Well, you know, and there, there's going to be, well, there's 130, I think people right now who are going to jump on LinkedIn profiles (laughs) and do some changes, but is this a really good way to, stand out from the crowd because, you know, how many thousand of IO psychologists come out of university every year mm-hmm. uh, and the numbers are growing. So focusing on something like that, will it help you stand out? I think so. Well, I think the more connections that you make, it makes you stand out. When you're getting involved in organizations like this, when you're attending the networking events, when you're showing that you're connecting, because eventually that connection will happen. The spark will will happen and then you'll get in with the with the group, with the company, with whatever it is, the organization that you want to be in. And it takes work. That's the bottom line is it, it's you got to put the time in, you got to put the energy in and then you'll get you, you'll get the reward. But where you can pull those pieces of like, this might not be my ideal job right now. This might not be exactly what I want to be doing, but here's the element of it that I love. I love this part of dealing with people and helping them. And that's what I'm going to enhance in my LinkedIn profile. That's what I'm going to look in for more network opportunities. And it will begin to set you apart. Yeah. And hopefully, yeah, some of those sparks start to fly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Ariana, Mm -hmm. let's go to you. Hi, everyone. Yes, I definitely agree with what's been said. I think it's essential at a basic to craft a strong profile 
And on your profile, you can feature all of your previous experiences, your education, your background. But I would also encourage you to think about your own personal why. Why are you in IO or the career that you're on? Why is that path? Why do you have passion about it? And try and communicate that through your profile. So you not only orient anyone who's coming across your profile to who you are and what you do, but also why you do it. And I think that relates to the last topic of authenticity around helping everyone to see who you are and your authentic presentation and be more likely to want to reach out in the future. These are some basics, but make sure that you do use pictures, put a nice profile picture. Also, I recommend doing a background picture just so your your profile is very comprehensive. And then from here, you can begin to work on your content approach. So you can feature any key content at any time for your profile. But just like Lee was saying earlier, I think one great approach is to go on LinkedIn and follow a lot of blogs and people who post content that you're interested in. So whatever your domain is, let's say you want to specialize in employee selection. Well, then you can post some of the newest best practices in employee selection and pique people's interest. Polls seem to get a good amount of engagement where people can engage with your post, but just click a button. And then you're providing some interesting data to the internet for anyone else who comes across it as well. And then lastly, you can begin to cultivate your own profile and your own niche and begin writing articles on LinkedIn as well. So you can just go and create your own article on LinkedIn and then post it. So I think all of these ways are good ways to begin getting, getting, tipping your toe in the LinkedIn world. And then people begin to notice you over time. So it's not about an overnight approach. It's about building your brand over time where you begin to get recognized in this example as a selection expert. Or for me, I like to feature things around employee wellness and how we can create positive leadership and culture. So whatever that is for you, just begin to hone your own personal brand. I don't know what other people would say on this last one, but I I go based on my own inspiration. So I know there are times where I am very excited to post and I'm all in it, but then I may take a long break if things in my personal life get a little busy. So I encourage you to flow with whenever you do have inspiration, but keep in mind that you don't have to prove yourself. There is this kind of misconception and limiting belief that we have to be the best of anyone doing what we do, but that's not true. Just like if you're interested in looking for ice cream, there may be a few different ice cream shops that all have good good ice cream for you to sample. So you don't have to be the best. There are plenty of people out there that need IO services. So you just need to begin to be known. Right now, I'm hoping Destiny brought ice cream for everybody. <laughs> Dr. Ariana, I want to ask you though, because you know, you're know you creating content. I agree 100%. But as soon as we start to talk about posting, some people are going to go, oh my God, I'm not a writer. So what kind of writing advice can you give? To, you know, Some people did lousy in English at university. <laughs> and now we're asking them to write. So what advice can you give them on that? That's interesting. I mean, everyone has different approaches, but in this day and age, I mean, it's a little controversial, but everyone is beginning to use even sources like chat GPT. So if you have in your mind, like I think that it's important with any content development to have in your mind what you want to create. I think we get into trouble with chat GPT if it's just like, 
create something and then I post it. So it should be related to you. But if you have a lot of clarity on the message that you want to put out there, you can leverage other tools and even your own peers to give you feedback on your writing. Um, but let me ask you this because too often, you know, I've, I've got a doctorate in IO psychology and I want to use big words. And I mm. remember when I was, you know, informed that, you know, your average daily newspaper is at a grade eight to grade 10 reading level. So do we need to use simple language when we're doing things like blogs and posts? I think it all comes down to who your audience is. If you're trying to be a specialist for other IOs, go ahead and use jargon because that's going to be the most precise for your audience. But if you're looking to engage more generally with any business person in your community, then you really want to use words that they can understand and really simplify it to get to your core message of what it is, what you're offering, what you're talking about and why it matters. Because if you start expanding into all the jargon, you're just going to lose them. So that's what I would recommend. Good advice. Dr. Juliet, let's go to you. I'm just, I've been looking through the comments. So I want to address a couple of comments Kayla mentioned being in this cluttered space, right? And being afraid to speak up. So I'm going to speak to all of the introverted folks out there who like to spend time alone to recharge and may not always want to be the ones to speak on think pieces and so on and so forth. Also, some of you may want to build your brand more for recruiters, but you don't necessarily want all of the glitz and glam. So from that perspective, it can really be as simple as engaging with other people's posts, right? I have moments where I'm just like, I can't do all of this posting every day, posting five times a day. I am happy for everyone who's able to do it. Sometimes I don't have the mental capacity to do all of that. And, you know, for a lot of us, some of us, you know, we have our own private passion projects. We work our nine to five, et cetera, et cetera. So what I've found effective is really interacting with other people's content. Sometimes it's as simple as, you know, putting the like button or the celebrate or insightful button. You know, sometimes it's responding with a sentence that's as short as two words. I identified with this. I know the feeling or responding with your own um, insight. I've had came to me and they're like, oh my goodness, I see you post about this and about this, about this. And I know good and well, I didn't post about it. But the way the algorithms work is when you've interacted with the content, it pops up on the feeds of those who are connected with you or those who are following you. Also, you don't even have to recreate the wheel. Sometimes it's as simple as resharing something that someone else shared. And my, my approach is sometimes just resharing or even reposting with your thoughts. Sometimes I don't have much to say, so I'm going to use emojis. I'm going to use the star emoji. I'm going to use the light bulb emoji. I'm going to use, you know, the diamonds or the gold, right. To say like, this is good insight and people respond accordingly. So I did want to share that additionally on your LinkedIn profile, you want to ensure that you are putting your resume on your LinkedIn profile. I cannot emphasize this enough right? You're now able to actually attach your skills with the different, I would say like the different jobs you've worked or what you've learned in school, right? So I know for some students um, who might be a little bit more early career, there might be a tendency to highlight some of the relevant courses you took. Well, your LinkedIn profile allows you to do that, to highlight those subject matter expertise areas that you've built more competency in or more fluency in, highlighting that on your LinkedIn profile. Because once you say I'm available to work and you don't always have to do that with the badge, what happens is now recruiters 
are being, you know, that's coming up on their radar because those count as almost search engine optimization keywords on their radar of, you know, how you're able to transfer your skills and so on and so forth. So I did want to point that out. Jessica also mentioned separating your personal LinkedIn profile from work. And that could be, you know, how you highlight your personal brand versus work. And I know working for the federal government, there are a number of reasons as to how you're able to use the name of your employer. My big, big, big thing is, you know, you should never be defined by your company or you should never be defined by that organization that gave you that certification or, or so on and so forth. So for example, if you're in Toastmasters or you're a John Maxwell, I think expert or speaker, your headline should not be John Maxwell speaker or Toastmaster speaker. It should really be some of the topics that you're fluent in speaking on, right? You can say that you are a speaker in your certifications. You can mention where you got some of this expertise from or where you got some of those certifications, but you don't want to be defined by those things that have helped you along the way while you will give them credit. At the same time, you know, for myself, I have four companies and something that someone passed over to me as a business owner, three of those companies are not directly related to what I do as an IO. And so on my LinkedIn, you might notice that I list myself as a founder um, because when I was putting CEO, people are reaching out for me for these positions that required me require me to have experience uh, more than as long as I've been alive. So, you know, you want to be intentional as to how you kind of balance that brand. It is okay for you to just list, you know, I'm a whatever specialist or consultant or associate or whatever the case may be at this employer and have that information on your LinkedIn profile resume. But when it comes to the content that you push out, now you can speak to your values. You can speak to your thoughts. Also, the description, and I'm sorry, I don't want to be long-winded and take over this uh, session, but I want to make sure that everybody's capturing this because, you know, there are students, there are people who want to promote their consultancy. Be very intentional about how you list yourself there, right? Um, You might want to say that you're the principal consultant or the principal coach, right? Or principal organizational coach so that it also speaks to your ability to advise, to consult as an IO in an organization. But for me, my perspective is minimizing how much you name drop your employer if you're really looking to amplify you know, your personal brand. And it could be as an IO, it could be as something else. You can also speak to your expertise as an IO and an entrepreneur. So for myself, I own an iWork company, but I can also speak to how I engage my team, right? And some of the workplace challenges in uh, the eyewear industry, because that's me coming from my lens as an IO. I work with students and professionals as well. So speaking from that IO perspective, what challenges are IO students in experiencing? What challenges are small business enterprises experiencing when it comes to building that framework for organizational effectiveness? So I hope I was able to answer those couple of questions that popped up in the comment. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you for you so did great. <laughs> but let me ask you because you know, I think you're absolutely right. LinkedIn is, you know, that's number one. That's where people do business today. And you, you know, if, I'm going to assume that everybody who's here today is probably on LinkedIn. Probably most people like me are going to spend time this weekend working on that profile. But what other social media platforms have you found effective outside of LinkedIn where you've been able to gather an audience? Well, I mean, there is LinkedIn, there is Instagram. I know some people build, I've I've noticed that some people on LinkedIn have also built a platform on TikTok. Now I believe they have threads. I haven't gone on threads yet, 
because I'm experiencing social media overload. But, you know, I think it depends on who you're looking to reach, right? Um, Facebook might be a good platform, but you also want to keep in mind that all of these people, all of the audiences might vary and how they interact on those platforms might might vary. So that's where you want to be intentional about understanding your audience and how they use the platform. I think outside of that, I would even say just your marketing strategy, right? If you are, for example, a website designer, for myself, I've had people who came to me and said, oh, I do SEO and I do website design and, and all of that. I want to see your, I want to see your website. <laughs> Show me what you can do. <laughs> What's your portfolio, right? right. Um, also, there is power in building up almost like a relationship with your audience. You can do that through email marketing, right? You can do that through having a blog. So even if, you know, have something like Linktree where you can list, you know, projects you've done for school, it can go beyond, you know, the social media platforms you are on. So now you list that on your LinkedIn, you know, you list a little bit of your expertise, special projects you've done where you volunteered and have been able to apply your experience as an IO, but there's opportunities for you to get people almost in a funnel of signing up and subscribing to newsletters. And it can be as simple as once a quarter, once a month, you sending out small little nuggets and that's how you build an audience. Some people, they they leverage uh, YouTube, right? Where you can also engage people with video content. But the important thing is looking at how you can really make everything work together. You don't want things working separately because that's how you you get burnout very easily. And that's something I know I experienced because I have brands and some people they go in a, for eyewear and they can care less what I do as an IO, right? And so you want to find a way to see how those can actually seamlessly work together without disturbing your audience or your customer experience. Right. And helpful. and Dr. Martha, whom who most of us know, has had some great success on YouTube with starting her own channel. So, that, you know, once again, another great avenue. Uh, Amanda, let's go to you. So I just want to reiterate and reinforce what everybody has said up to this point, because it's all really great stuff. And the one thing I do want to just pull some attention to, you don't need to post every day. There has been plenty of research. I've posted the link once in the chat. I'll post it again up to 20 times a month, two to three times a week. Find a topic you're passionate about and post it. And in addition, there's times that you can leverage that is in that link that I just posted that is best for certain times on certain platforms. So you don't need to overwhelm yourself with thinking, I have to post every day. You're going to increase an expectation beyond what it's realistically able to achieve. So two to three times a week, is that doable? For most, it might be. And for some, is it just starting once a week? Sure. Um, The other thing is, is if you have a very specialized niche area, find the big players and start a dialogue with them online in a public domain, because these folks have got followers. If you start being seen as a contributor to their posts and you're actually able to engage them in dialogue, You're going to increase those that see you as also credible and reputable because I've got a very specific focus niche that I practice in and I've been able to engage one of the biggest players that is known globally. And he, I'm sure if I reach out to him for a quick one-on-one chat, he would probably respond without a problem because trying to get on those people's radars can be really difficult. In addition, in order to help expand your credibility, when you're trying to look at what you have got experience for, sometimes you may need to piecemeal it all together into a broader umbrella. 
So when I made the transition from the academic work I used to do to where I am here, I had to pull all of that together. And now I'm able to say I've got almost 15 to 20 years of learning, development, and educator experience, which is all part of the same gamut versus of just saying, oh, I just have seven or 10 years. It, it, it changes the volume of experience that you have to post. So instead of changing your job title every time you get a new position, if it's with the same agency, just list all of the titles in which you've been at, because then that also shows longevity with an employer. Really good advice. Uh, Lee, let's go to you. Okay. I want to, I want to do a, a couple of cautionary things as we're throwing out all this stuff, because, you know, sometimes we forget these things. Talk about, you know, engaging on other people's content and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you don't know, or if I need, you need to be reminded, everything that you do on LinkedIn, whether it's a like, whether it's a comment, whether it's a post, all shows up on your profile and your activity. So be careful about the things, you know, if you sometimes can't resist the urge to, to you know, sock it to a troll or something, be aware that that's going to show up in your history on your profile. And so when somebody is possibly looking to engage your services and they see that, that may not have the effect that you really want. So that's just something to think about there. Another thing, you know, as far as, you know, people asking about how do I, how do I write if I don't write well or whatever else? Well, you know, collaborate with somebody, get with somebody who writes better than you, who maybe doesn't have the same focus area, or maybe they do and have a conversation and then get them to help you to put those words on the paper in a way that makes sense. And then take both, both take credit. Maybe both of you post it, you know, whatever it is, or post it and tag them somehow. That's a way you can do that and you can get that practice as you look through that stuff. Also, I just want to want to point out, seen several comments about, you know, finding jobs and IO and everything. Well, keep in mind that right now in history, there's a lot of there's a lot of IO related jobs that aren't called IO. There are a lot of IO related jobs that the people who posted them don't realize are IO related. And so when you go in, a lot of people have no idea what an IO is. And, uh, you know, and as as my friend Dr. Powster says, if you have to explain the joke, it's not funny. So when you go into these situations, you don't necessarily want to brand yourself as an IO right out of the gate. You want to brand yourself mm -hmm. as a an org change consultant or an executive coach or whatever it is, something that actually speaks to the words that they understand. Because while we were talking about using jargon earlier, I mean, that's jargon. John Q. Public doesn't know what you mean. And you'll never get past the screening phase to get in and actually speak to someone. And you don't want to spend the whole time explaining, well, what is an I.O.? What does an I.O. do? The interview is not when that's going to really be effective. So just keep that in mind. And and now somebody asked me recently about doing I.O. stuff in, a, in an organization that doesn't do I.O. stuff. Well, every organization does I.O. stuff. They just don't necessarily know it. And so when you are in that organization, you have the opportunity in, in most, if not, you know, not necessarily all, but most cases, you have the opportunity to get involved in things that are IOE, as Destiny says, that will benefit your organization. And so as you get into these things and as you do these things, then people start going, wow, you have this great information, you have this great experience. How did you get that? Well, you know, there's this whole IO psychology thing and you can actually start think, but that's down the road. So when you get into your, your LinkedIn profile, your resume, whatever the case may be, and you are, are looking for whatever that may be, you know, maybe it's learning and development or whatever else, leading with I'm an IO psychology practitioner or psychologist, whatever else, 
is not necessarily going to be what's going to get you in the door. Like right now, mine says I was a psychology practitioner, but I'm not looking for a job. You know, that's mostly there for you guys so that we can find each other. But if I were looking for a job, I might change that to focus on the people who don't know what that is. And I think I had another point, well, but I've totally forgot it and got lost. Well, while you're thinking, I'm going to ask you a question, which probably means you can't think. Um, but I want to know how getting yourself online, especially with the IO pop-ups, how has that helped your brand? How has that helped your online presence? Well, you know, it's funny that you ask. It's actually been kind of amazing, really, because I do two posts a week, pretty much consistent. One is, hey, we're going to have a pop-up. And two is, hey, we had one. And so I go out there and I'll put a little note. It's not even very deep. Put it out there and say, hey, we're all going to get together. We're going to chat. We're going to hang out. And I get people that I'll get, I'll get DMs or whatever else going, hey, I heard that you have this thing. Uh, in fact, this morning, I got just a random thing. Hey, so-and-so told me about the, you have these great network things. I'd love to connect. Sweet. So I get you know random connection requests from IO students and, and other practitioners and whatever else. They're like, they're, you know, they're lost in the wilderness and they're hearing the call and they're coming into our community because there's still so many IOs out there who have no idea that there is actually a community now because there wasn't before. There really wasn't, but there is now. And and I've got this one little room inside the house, but people are finding the house. And so they see those posts or somebody said, you know, somebody contacts somebody that I know and they're like, hey, there's this great network thing. You should do that. And yeah, so just by word of mouth has a lot of that, but a lot of that comes from the engagement. Now, now since we're talking about branding, <laughs> got to ask you about the beard because the beard is very much becoming part of your brand. So is that, was that a conscious thing you do and I'm growing the beard to do this or is it just, no, I like beards, but, but I guess it's becoming my brand. Well, you know, I, I jokingly say that when you get out of the military and you turn in your gear, that that includes your race. But, you know, when I retired, I was like, you know what, the last time I could grow a beard, I really couldn't. And so now that I can, let's see what happens. And and I kind of like not shaving every day, but you know, over time, it's just kind of, and I get lots of comments on it. And of course I'm seeing myself on video and realizing how much grays in my beard, dear Lord, but I get lots of comments. It's kind of funny. And it's, it's really interesting. It's always fascinated me how things like that impact your brand, how it, you know, seeing the image of you with the beard actually creates more confidence, at least in my mind. So it's interesting about how, you know, it's not just about the content you create and what you might say, it's about the entire visual that people are seeing. It's there's so many little elements that go together to create that brand. And it's knowledge that I think every IO psychologist really should have. Well, you know, it's funny, it's totally un, you know, unintentional, but in my program, just about all the male psychologists had a beard very similar to this. <laughs> I don't know. It's a tradition. There you go. Devin, let's go to you. Thanks real quick to piggyback on Lee's comments, not about the beard. I don't, I don't, can't do that, but to piggyback on the comment really hit home was every organization does IO and they don't know it. The job that you have, regardless of what it is, at some point, you're going to have a chance to get involved in something that is IO related. So be on the lookout for those opportunities. If you aren't in a role, and I saw someone else posted a great image of all the different types of jobs that technically are IO. 
And if you don't have the opportunity to have one of those positions yet, know that you can pull out the pieces of what you are currently doing or get involved with the other teams if you're if you're not in HR, but you seem like HR is the closest that your company gets to anything IO related, help them in some of their learning and development opportunities. This professional development is really the way in, I think, in all organizations to link link IO, at least in this day and age, for what organizations understand about IO. And so any opportunity that you have to pull that experience and then immediately put it on your resume, put it on your LinkedIn profile, because you're not lying. You can then speak to those things. I have experience in this. Yes, it isn't my full-time job. This isn't what I'm doing every day, but this is my passion. This is where I'm seeking out opportunities to really say, okay, I'm going to you know, go down this track when I can, but here's how I'm building my experience. And then you will get happier because then you're doing the things that you're passionate about and it, it will pay off. Eventually it will pay off. I know it It feels some, some days it feels like it's never going to happen, but it will. And you continue to build that and build that experience. And, and then you're able to speak to it at the next interview you go on where it's, again, it still might not be an IO related title, but then you're able to say, here's all the things that I did. Here's what I am really excited about. And when you're in that interview and that passion comes through, and then you've got a great LinkedIn profile and a great resume that that match up with it, everything will fall into place. Oh, it sounds so good when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Dr. Destiny, let me go back to you because, you know, when we're looking at online presence and branding, it's not like anybody had heard about CBOC two and a half years ago, but now thousands of people listen to Work Cookie. You know, I think it's, I think we've, it's well over three, four, 5,000 downloads now of every single episode. So what were some of the successful things that, you know, you and Jeremy were doing that really started to get the momentum building and really helped to create that, that online presence and, and establish a brand? Yeah, I think you you hit the the word perfectly there was momentum, right? Momentum is everything. And I think this kind of goes back to while you don't always have to be posted and doing all the things, there is momentum that comes along with with that, you know, with it, to be honest. And so if you continue to be able to build momentum for yourself, that will help. And for CBOC, it's been about momentum, but momentum specifically tied to what the community needs and wants and is looking for. Right. So building organically at first and then using that organic group to to really listen. I mean, that is one thing like Jeremy's not here. Maybe he's listening some other time or what. But to be honest, Jeremy is one of the best people I've ever worked with in my entire life. Why? Because he's mission oriented all the way to the core. And I think if we work and we look at mission as being like our focus always like we can take and we can, we don't have like the blinders come off. Right. Because now we're just super laser focused. Like everything that we do, we have been building, we say, is this going to build community and belongingness? Like that's the last statement we make, but you know, we will have these great ideas. We'll be like, blah, 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 blah. blah and we'll just like feed off each other's energy. And then we'll be like, but does that build community and belongingness? Yes or no. And if we're, it's questionable then we don't move towards it. We focus on the intent and the mission. So I think if you if you find that 
momentum and, and the community's voices and the gaps that we have felt, you know, one of the things Jeremy likes to ask people, he asked me in different kinds of ways is he said, he asked a question to the extent of what did you wish you had whenever you were a student or what did you wish you had whenever you were struggling or what do you wish you had now? So if you find that, like, if you look at CBOC and like how we've transformed, we've transformed based on how we have experienced things, how we have felt others experience things with us and the voices and, and the momentum of the time. And to be honest, it's, there have been like moments, like you said, there, there will be moments where you probably don't see either of us posting or CBOC posting. And then all of a sudden it's like this amp up, this momentum, this, this build. I think that's okay. I think that's natural. And I think that also prevents the burnout from the community happening too, because right now, for example, August is IO Psychology Awareness Month. So it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot coming at you when there's an event and, and then eventually it gets going to die down because the holidays are coming for some and like, because, you know, we have all these excuses, but it's okay. Like that's the natural progression of how things work. And so we pay attention to those things. And one of the things that we do because we're listening to the community is we build in momentum for ourselves by engaging with the community. So for example, one of the things I said was, okay, Jeremy, what about after this event? What's going to happen? And I said, we need to make sure that we are connecting. So he mentioned earlier that we're going to have follow-up sessions where we discuss some of the things that we're working on and, you know, connect again. Those are important to build into your plan and into something like this where community is being built, because it can be really easy to kind of not let it forget about the community, but it can be really easy because we're humans to get really caught up in our personal endeavors and professional endeavors and, you know, maybe put the other things that to the side. But guess what? At the end of the day, success is usually associated with a form of community. So that's where we always try to like kind of keep our focus on. Well, you're building a great community and uh, the, the growing numbers every single month um, prove that. Uh, Dr. Juliet, let's go back to you. I'm, I'm back to just looking through the comments and seeing responses. I wanted to piggyback on uh, what I believe it was what Devin shared regarding transferring just some of your, your technical skills that people may perceive to be IO related, because as you said, every company is doing IO work. They just don't realize it. Again, I came from more of the business side. I worked on managing strategic alliances. I worked with legal. I learned how to understand legal jargon. I also worked on the customer side. Mm -hmm. And so when I transferred into IO, I remember working with Jeremy, and I remember this, my first conversation with him, and saying, hey, I want to join CBOC. I'm a student. I'm an IO student. And he's looking at my LinkedIn profile, and he's like, "Uh, I think you just might be an expert. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm an IO student. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to, like everybody else, I'm here just trying to get a job as an IO psychology practitioner. But what we were able to really look at is the fact that there were a level of technical skills that I could bring as an IO. So for example, research, data, right? If you're able to use Excel and, and compile and, and explain mass amounts of data, right? Um, reporting and analytics, how you're able to speak to um, leadership or relevant stakeholders, cross-functional collaboration, how you're able to build the business case, how you can participate in strategic planning. All of those things were technical skills I was able to bring in as an IO. And ironically, in my current role right now with my current employer, I found that 
the experience that I had in sales was most valuable in preparing me to work as a personnel research psychologist. So what I would recommend, do absolutely do not divorce yourself from where you are coming from. And I do forget, I did forget the name. So I do apologize. Someone also mentioned, you know, how, how do you leverage that IO expertise or those skills in IO without having to always be under the HR umbrella? You can do it in the operations space, right? Using, applying focus groups, leverage, leveraging survey research. You can take what you're learning from customers to inform how you empower employees within the workforce to do their jobs better, right? What the gaps are we finding? Um, I know someone mentioned, for example, project management. Now there's a focus on leveraging project management in the organizational space, in the people function. So I did want to mention that if you're coming from a space that, you know, whether it's education, whether it's business, whether it's law, there are ways to use that technical expertise because that's what we were speaking about authenticity, right? That's what makes you special. That's what makes you unique. You're bringing in something that other people on the team may not have. And I know Dr. Robin, she mentioned collaboration, right? And when everybody's putting their heads together, that's how you create something great. She also mentioned collaborating with people across borders. Again, I've mentioned this. If you've added me on LinkedIn, you see my Haitian flag and I wave it loud and proud. Uh, So, you know, collaborating and and bonding with other IOs or human capital specialists across borders, whether it's the United States, outside of the UK, right? And looking at how other cultures are conceptualizing IO, conceptualizing organizational effectiveness, because what you'll find is, especially in the United States, it's very much, I believe they call it the the melting pot, right? There are so many cultures that are encompassed within the United States. So you can't really identify us as one singular culture. There are so many aspects and beautiful things about us. And when you see all of these people coming from these different countries and learning about their lived experiences, right? And how they bring themselves into the workforce and how they also impact the workplace. Now you have a better understanding of also so how you as an IO can serve the workforce. I know there were talks about chat GPT as well as checking for plagiarism. I would say use chat GPT for like idea generation, right? I know I've worked with students and I've had some of my clients send me personal statements. And the first thing I do is put myself in the shoes, not only of the reader, but the writer. And so when I read it, I'm like, this is not you. Who wrote this and who did this? And they're like, oh my goodness, I tried chat GPT. You also want to understand that a lot of these search engines and platforms, they're still deciding what to do with chat GPT. So if you're cutting and pasting everything from the AI mas- machine, but there are platforms that are saying, nope, we don't want to, you know, we're trying to detect these, uh, these the, the content or the blog that was solely written by chat GPT, that's where the algorithm impacts you because now your messaging is not being pushed out to the audience you want to get it to. So what I would recommend, use chat GPT more as like a foundational basis to build the ideas and then come in and plug the evidence-based research. Try to adjust the language so it fits your voice and communicates in your voice and communicates your authenticity and your personality. And Lee, I'm, you know, I know you spoke about your beard. I'm here with the hair. That's another thing with, you know, communicating your brand. You know, I changed my hair a few years ago and I said, this is going to be a phase and I'm going to go back to the black hair. Now, if I go back to the black hair, nobody recognizes me. But you can also use that in your messaging, right? When you're speaking about 
DEIA, when you're speaking about psychological safety, when you're speaking about employee engagement, those are all relevant IO psychology topics that we study and we cover. So leverage that authenticity to also push out who you are and also promote your brand. Let me ask you about how did you take that authentic self, which is, you know, quite wonderful. And, you know, it's not just the colorful hair, your glasses. Every time I see you, you've got great glasses. Um, (laughs) But how do you take that authentic self and create a brand around it? Right. So I don't know if it's okay for me to shameless plug, Jeremy, you can yell at me for this later. These glasses are actually my design, Nuri Lens Eyewear. Um, So (laughs) this is my creativity and my sketches. In terms of my authenticity, you know, we spoke about that in the, you know, in the discussion about imposter syndrome. Um, I'm a black woman. I'm a child of immigrants. So I I've gone through the experience of hostile work environments. I've gone through that experience of constantly being told I'm supposed to abbreviate who I am. And that's how I'm going to be accepted. In my experience, I remember joining a previous employer and everyone was telling me, hey, make sure you put in extensions and make sure they're black so it looks professional. My hair was a fire red and honey blonde. So I'm like, okay, for me to blend in, you know, (laughs) I had to put in some extensions. And I remember speaking to someone coming into the organization and, of course, looking for the black woman and how they wore their hair. And I remember asking someone, you know, is it okay for me to wear my curls? Because it's a fire red and honey blonde. And they said, yeah, as long as it's neat. And I said, how is someone going to tell me, me, a black woman, what neat looks like? Right. So I just I took out the extensions and I told myself, if I wear the extensions, I'm only going to wear them because I feel like it and I'm going to just take the risk. Um, And I realized, you know, again, being in hostile work environments that I don't want to be in a space where I can't be myself. Right. Where I cannot step out as this Haitian American girl who speaks six languages and sometimes doesn't get all the English jargon. Right. Because I'll flip back to French and I'll flip back to Haitian Creole when I get excited and so on and so forth. But that's what makes me me. And I found that even showing up to interviews, the first thing they say is, oh, my goodness, your hair color is amazing. And I found that just being my authentic self, that's what has allowed people to be drawn to me. That's what has also built the interest in the work that I do. And it's not to say that I don't battle those moments of, oh my goodness, here's another space where I'm going to be asked to wear a wig, or I'm going to be asked to code switch, or I'm going to be asked to speak a certain way. I absolutely have those experiences as well, but it's a combination of being kind to myself, right? And also constantly reviewing my brand strategy and saying, how does Juliet step out as her full Juliet Nelson, right? And in her purple and blue haired glory, to couple that with my brand messaging. And so I found that a lot of people, especially Haitian American, West Indian, uh, child, children of immigrants, or people who don't identify as the same things as I do, they come in and they say, you know, I find that inspiring that you're able to leverage that authenticity to speak to your brand's story. And that's what gets them being interested in my services and being interested in my products and even wanting to pay it forward and form their own brands, right? And start their own consulting company as an IO. So, you know, I think a lot, it's interesting what you said because I think a lot of us grow up with a messaging, especially when we enter the workforce, of don't be unique, don't stand out, you know, try to blend in, try to be, just be a good teammate. But I really do feel like, especially for IOs today, you need to be unique. You need to stand out just to have a conversation start. Would you agree? 
Yes, I I would. I would very much agree. Um, I found that now that people reach out to me, they say, I, I actually had someone who's very powerful in the eyewear industry. I met him at a convention and he said, the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because you have purple hair and he happened to show up with purple and blue hair too. But he ended up posting about what he does to engage his employees, right? And to keep them coming back to work in the eyewear space. And from there, he found that in me engaging with this content, again, right, with the algorithm, he found out that I was working in IO. And that's where he's like, okay, tell me a little bit more about your field. Because I don't even have an HR department, right? For him, he just has a department that focuses on the people and looks at what they need so they can be successful and so that they can thrive. And so from there, I I was able to communicate some of the work that I did. And he was able to kind of couple that with the things that he was doing because he thought he was doing the right thing. And again, from there, you build great relationships. And I have a, a great you know, asset in the eyewear industry, and he has a great asset in the organizational effective space. So yeah. That is really cool. <laughs> So, Dr. Destiny, we have once again run out of time. I know. Well, and and, and like, I think I was probably one of uh, 135 others, or maybe 134, because that were cheering Dr. Juliet on during that conversation. You know, I've spoken to a lot of women in particular. (laughs) Um, I've I've spoken to a lot of veterans in particular, women veterans. And, you know, a lot of them tell me that they feel like they have to tone it down because other people tell them to, but I have found, and I have told them too, I like to walk in with my big hair, my big earrings, and I, I am much. And, and I think that it's important to just be, stay true in that. Yes. Do I tone it down sometimes? Mm, Maybe if I want to get something done in a certain way, I might, but for the most part, you're going to get destiny. They're real upfront. And I think it's okay to be that, especially in the IO space, because there is a more like leverage, I think, because we are a little bit misbranded once again, opportunistic. So just however you see it. So, but I thank you everyone for like being part of the conversation and being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seabock.com.